It's good to hear that the fine tradition of good singing has not been lost here in fellowship. Amen? Amen. You know, I'm, I have the privilege of traveling across the conference and uh, the singing varies, let me put it that way. <laughs> but uh, it's good. And, you know, you probably don't appreciate how good you sound and how good the worship is, but trust me, it is good. Let the name of the Lord be praised. Today I want to share with you, forgive me if I'm going to, I can't, I feel a little restricted behind the pulpit. I want to share with you a message entitled Destiny's Child. A simple message, but one in which I hope you may find inspiration. You know, it's the common lot, it's, it's the lot of all of us, every one of us, to be successful. And even those of us who are here today who are striving to be failures, we will achieve success. If you want to fail, that is your goal. You fail, then you've succeeded. Isn't that right? So every one of us wants to be successful, even if it means failure. For the Christian, we not only want to be successful, we also want to know what is it that God has in mind for my destiny? What is God's plan for my life? Some of us will be acquainted with, we may have read the books, we may uh, not, but most of us will be acquainted with the author, uh, an evangelical pastor and author by the name of Rick Warren. Rick Warren, just to give a little story, Rick Warren, and he's associated with books called Purpose Driven. Some of you, you may have at least heard, if not read those books. Rick Warren, just a little of his life, 1980, in California, he began with two families in 1980, the Saddleback Church. 1980. Fast forward to today, the church which started with two families is now the seventh largest church in the United States, with over 20,000 members. Rick Warren wrote the book, Purpose Driven, you know, Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church, etc., etc. In fact, the book was so successful that it sold 30 million copies. Now, to put that in a context for the businessman, if he was making $1 per book, that's $30 million. Matter of fact, Rick Warren was made so much money that it was reported that he told his church he returned 25 years of salary that the church had given to him, just returned it. And beyond that, it is reported that he and his wife became reverse tithe payers. That is to say, they live off 10% of their income and return back to the church 90%. Now, I wish I had a book that successful. I could do that, but as an honesty. Rick Warren, pastor, started 1980, Saddleback Church, two families. He became, was voted by Newsweek and by Times. He was voted one of the most, 20 of, amongst 25 of the most influential leaders 
in the United States, a church pastor. Beyond that, when uh, Barack Obama, elect as he was at the time, for his inauguration service at the White House, he invited Pastor Rick Warren to give the, the, the ordination and benediction. Wow. A church pastor. Started out in 1980 with two families. Now, Rick Warren is interesting. He wrote in one of the books, The Purpose Driven Life, and I want to just quote this. He said, or he wrote, I should say, hope comes from having a purpose. If you have felt hopeless, hold on. Wonderful changes are going to happen in your life as you begin to live it on purpose. God says, and he's quoting from Jeremiah 29, verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know, I've lost, I've lost count of the number of times I have heard Jeremiah 29, 11 quoted even as Rick Warren quotes him in Purpose Driven Life, I've lost count of the number of times I've heard this passage quoted, particularly at prayer meetings, testimonies. And somebody would just say, you know, I'm just encouraged by Jeremiah 29 verse 11 that God knows his plans for my life. And, and it is good to know that God has a purpose for our lives, is it not? It's good to know that his destiny or our destiny is in his hands. It's good to know that God has not forgotten us. God has not abandoned us. No matter how difficult our situation or circumstances may be, that God has good things in store for us. However, however, well, Jeremiah 29 and verse 11 ministers positively into our lives and it is a wonderful promise we should also not forget it comes in the context of Jeremiah saying you will have captivity for 70 years as a matter of fact it comes in the context of Jeremiah saying what would happen in the life of Judah but in his own life he didn't experience this He was jailed, imprisoned, falsely beaten, accused. And yet he would say to Judah, I have plans for you. You see, the truth is, we often choose to read, memorize, and focus on the passages of Scripture that promise good things. My wife had, my wife Jennifer who's here, had, had um, was given a box of Bible promises and it was a that there were little scripture texts in a circle on paper and you would put your, uh, like a little tweezer in and you would pluck out a thing and it would roll out and it would have a Bible passage. Every one of the Bible passages were good things. God was going to prosper us. God was going to give us help. But let me ask you, is that all that God promises us? But how come those other promises aren't in the boxes? How come we only focus on the good stuff? 
And as we look at Jeremiah's life, and what his destiny was, as God had it, and as we think about Rick Warren, and I'll come back to him, his ministry, we might be surprised what God's destiny is for our lives. It may not be what we would hope it to be. You see, in Jeremiah, we meet a person whose destiny was outlined by God. Let's go in our Bibles again. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4. From the New International Version it reads, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before you were born, God said, I knew you. My sister attended a wedding and, you know, sometimes at the speeches, people can be embarrassing and, and it just so happened that one old gentleman, when he was talking about the bride, said, you know, in the speech at the reception, I knew this girl when she was in her father's groin. Now that's going way back. <laughs> that's even back beyond what Jesus, you know, says here. He, God said, I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. He said, I knew you. Anyway, that's another story. Um, <laughs> Now, Jeremiah was a PK. Jeremiah was a, not a preacher's kid, he was a priest's kid. His father was Hilkiah, you read that in the early verses of Jeremiah chapter 1. And he was a Levite. His destiny was to be a priest. But God intervenes in his life and says, mm -mm, you're not going to be a priest, you're going to be a prophet. Now we need to understand that whilst they are both peas, they are very different things. A priest is a very different function from a prophet. Jeremiah's daddy, Hilkiah, was a priest. And, and I could assume that Hilkiah must have had aspirations for his child, Jeremiah, that Jeremiah would follow as tradition would have it, as a Levite, that he would be a priest too. But sometimes God intervenes even in that which is common and normal, and even though we as parents have aspirations for our children, God's calling takes precedence. You know, we may want our children to be something as parents, and God wants something else for their lives. Sometimes as parents, if we're honest, we want our children, we live out our own unfulfilled dreams in our children. Yes, we want our children to be a doctor. Why? Because we were too thick. We were not intelligent enough. We wouldn't say that. But we would push our children and then we can come to the door. Oh yeah, my son is a doctor. Pride going to kill us, but you know, doctor. God isn't interested at times what our aspirations are for our children in as much that God's calling is paramount. God said, Jeremiah, I am calling you to be a prophet. He was called to a ministry that he was not interested in participating in and, 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 and stated as much. Jeremiah said, I'm not a good preacher and I'm too young. I, I know I have an understanding of what a prophet ought to do, but I really don't fit the qualification. But here is a first lesson of three I'd like to share with you. 
And the first simple lesson is this. God never makes a mistake in those who he calls. Never makes a mistake. If God has called us to do something, that is because God never makes a mistake. How many of you voted conservative or liberal Democrat? I know you're too shaved to put up your hand. We might have made a mistake. We, we, we put, and sometimes the people who are giving us trouble are the very people we put into power. Then we cry. What are we crying for? We put them there. But God never makes a mistake in calling whom he calls. Jeremiah said, oh, you know, I don't know how to speak, I'm only a child, verse 6. And Jeremiah questioned the wisdom of God's calling, even as we sometimes question the wisdom, you know. I don't know what football, just as a football illustration, but, you know, I, you know, I like football, I support my teams. But let me say England, you know, the World Cup. And I questioned Fabio Capello, why did he pick this player? Why did he not choose that player? And we questioned, and I listened to the phonings of Radio 5, and they're arguing about why he picked that man and should have picked the other. And sometimes we are like that with God. Why did God pick that one to do that task? Fabio Capello maybe paid millions of pounds a year, but he is fallible. God is infallible. Whom he chooses, he chooses and is always correct. Now that may lead us to troublesome thoughts because sometimes when God calls, we see them mess up in their lives, do we not? How could God have chosen that one and that one has gone astray? But the truth is God chose right, but those whom he has chosen sometimes make foolish mistakes. But God never makes a mistake with those whom he chooses. And Jeremiah received a definite call from God, a definite call that he was to be a prophet. This was an encounter with God such as Moses experienced in the burning bush, such as Samuel experienced as a young boy being called in the temple, such as Ezekiel experienced in a vision of a great storm. This was a, this is not a universal experience to us to hear God's voice. Now, uh, I, I, I saw an email this week over from, from somebody in one of our churches who is very distressed because of the nominating committee of last year, they had not asked this particular person to serve in the office that they had been serving in for many years. And this person is so distressed that they have had to go, they've gone to the doctor. Distressed. And to the point that this person has shared with the pastoral team that, that God had revealed to them that they should be in the office which you or you are occupying. God revealed to them that they should be this particular office. Now, what do you think of that? All I could say to the pastor, well, God may have revealed it to that person, but he didn't reveal it to the committee. They're the problem. 
But away from that, I'm thinking in my head. <laughs> this is not a universal experience. Some of us may have received a definite call to ministry, a definite call to, to do something, but it's not always. For others, it's a case of trial and experience. But I also want us to understand as well that God does not call us all to do the same thing. The way you hear some people talk as though we all should be preachers. I thank God we're not all preachers. God doesn't call us all to do the same thing. Some God has called to work in medicine, to work with their hands mechanically, to carpentry, to whatever. God calls us differently. That's why the church is interesting. That's why in the spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, in the church, verse 28, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, and in the church, God has appointed apostles, prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, not just preachers, those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. God doesn't call us all to do the same thing. But understand, if God has given you a definitive call, even though I may go, oh, oh look, you know, if God has truly given you a call, God never makes a mistake and he has called you to the right thing. But there's something more than that. And it's our second lesson. It's found in verse 8. Whatever God calls us to do, he will equip us to fulfill. Whatever God calls us to do, he will equip us to fulfill. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9. Verse 8 and 9. Do not be afraid of them, God said, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand, touched my mouth, and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. His excuse I'm too young and I can't speak. God said, I'll equip you. No excuses now. Whatever God calls us to do, he equips us. He doesn't leave us in the lurch. You know, my father grew up in the West Indies. In fact, Glenn, that's my father, it was him who was, you know, scared of his own trousers. <laughs> but, but, but my father, he told me about grand, my grandfather, the Sweeney, the Irish one, and he shared with me in the West Indies, Antigua is a small island claiming to have 365 separate beaches. And so the Antiguans proudly say there is one beach for every day of the year. Now my father, in the West Indies, it's a small island surrounded by the beautiful ocean. You've got to learn to swim. So my, my grandfather, in teaching my father to swim, did this. He took him out into the sea one morning. So my dad was grabbing on to granddad, and they swam out into this ocean. Then my grandfather pulled my dad off him, swam back to shore, but basically said parting words, I hope you make it back to the shore. <laughs> that was his first lesson in swimming. My dad could have, I could not, I might not have been here. Now God doesn't do that. He doesn't just as we say, throw us into the deep end to allow us to drown. And I hope you can make it. Whatever God has called us to do, we can be assured, as with Jeremiah, he will equip us to fulfill it. 
You see, what Jeremiah was called to do to be a prophet was much more demanding than being a priest. A priest's job was, was regulated. There were laws, there were times, there were regulations, there were things that you had to do, the, the sacrifices, the cleaning of the temple, etc. Your, your life was very much ordered. But God called Jeremiah to be a prophet, and trust me, a prophet's life was disorderly. It was different. It was something that was, wasn't ordered. It was something that would change day after day. Indeed, when I thought about Jeremiah's call, I thought, well, you know, I do admire, I'm a little jealous of Jeremiah because at least, you know, Jeremiah's calling, his destiny was clear before him. But then I thought, well, actually, I'm not so sure if he was advantaged. You see, God revealed to Jeremiah what was to come his way. But if God had shown us our destiny, would we be so keen on fulfilling it? Let me break that down. For those of us who are married, if God had shown you back then when you got married what he stroke she was actually like, would you have done it? Amen. Yeah, you better say yes, because your wife not giving you to say yes. <laughs> if God had shown you what Britain, the United Kingdom, was actually going to be like. Uh, my parents, my father left in the 50s. When, I, when my dad, now they didn't fly those days, they came on boats. Now when my dad got on the boat, if he had known in the West Indies what life was really going to be like in what he referred to as the motherland, I doubt he would have gotten on the boat. You see, we think that if we know the future, it'll help us, but not necessarily so. If I, being personal, if I had known, if God had shown me truly what presidency means. Yeah, <laughs> you got the point, you, you got it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we always want, I want to, oh, I want to know my destiny. I want to know my future. I want to know, are you sure? Actually, being in the dark, holding the hand of a God who sees all things is more comforting than actually knowing what is to come. Because if we could see what is to come, we would not go with God's purpose. We think we're better off for knowing, but not necessarily so. But remember, whatever God calls us to do, God calls us with an equipping. He'll enable us to do it. But here, that is the third lesson. Not only does God never make a mistake in whom he calls, not only does God equip us for our calling, there's something else about Jeremiah's call Whatever God calls us to do, 
may not be a promise of happiness and prosperity. Don't think that God has always called us to have it easy. Because our calling isn't always that. It's believed, you know, that Jeremiah was about 19 years of age when God called him. But from the very outset, and you begin to see it in chapter 1, in those verses we read, God told Jeremiah, ministry is going to be tough for you. From the very outset, the fact that God would say to Jeremiah, looking at verse 9, do not be afraid of them, indicates what? They're going to make him scared. Jeremiah was not called to a Rick Warren type ministry where he was going to have a big you know, mega church and everybody lords it after him and the kings entertain him and he makes millions of pounds or shekels. God was calling him to a challenging ministry. Popularity was not going to be an option for Jeremiah. Jeremiah was not going to be loved or liked. I mean, the fact that Jeremiah could write a book called Lamentations, which means crying, The fact that Jeremiah wrote a book which is just <laughs> from beginning to end shows that ministry wasn't nice. So don't, don't come with the impression, well, God is calling me, you know, to something easy. No, God sometimes calls us to cry. And I sometimes say, I'm going to write the next bit of Lamentations. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Ministry isn't always about success and mega churches and million book sales. It isn't about traveling the world and being heralded as a great speaker. Jeremiah was called to a ministry in which he was, God told him, you're going to be despised. As a matter of fact, it's even worse than that. If you look at, you know, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 1, it reads there that Jeremiah left his hometown of Anatoth or Anathoth to go to Jerusalem, and God warned Jeremiah in chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. He said that your message, Jeremiah, would be rejected. Folk wouldn't respond positively to your preaching. You know, I've, I've had the privilege, praise his name, that, that, you know, different parts of the world, when you preach, there are different reactions. I preached in, in, in Botswana. The congregation reaction is beautiful. The singing, beautiful. I've preached in Jamaica, in a certain church in Jamaica, where you only have to say Jesus and the folk are falling out of their chairs. They're happy. But I've also preached in Australia, where they just look at you. You can be sweating and pumping and God is good, and doing all of that. They just look at you. They don't say anything. Now that can be hard for some preachers, particularly if you're used to, you know, something call and response. The worst place, I don't know if anybody from Denmark, was Denmark. I nearly took a pin to dig the people to see if they were alive. <laughs> they didn't say anything. Now that's hard and tough for a preacher, but for Jeremiah, God said it's going to be worse than that. It's not a case of the folk saying amen, the folk will reject you. They will shout you down. They will say you are talking foolishness. Your preaching will not be loved. God doesn't call us to ministry or to things that are going to be easy. God sometimes calls us to tough life. 
That's why he didn't reveal to us when we were back home how life would be here because if he told us how it would, we probably wouldn't come, but God has called us here tough as it is. Jeremiah was called to a ministry that would have his hometown people plotting to kill him. You look at that in Jeremiah eleven eighteen. He was from Anathoth. It said that the people in his hometown tried to kill him. You know, when I went first, went off to Nouveau College to study for ministry, and the first time I came back home, you know, it was kind of different. It's Little Ian, and he's going to be a preacher. Nobody tried to kill me. Some folk, West Indians, they struck their teeth, which was like, come on with him. I remember how bad boy he was in church when he but, but, but that was the worst of it. Nobody tried to kill me. How must Jeremiah have felt? It's not strangers. People he grew up with. People who he loved were trying to kill him. God doesn't call us to a ministry where it's necessarily going to be easy. Poor Jeremiah. God doesn't call us to ministry. Now I think on this one, you know, we often hear the preachers talk about Hosea. And you know, when we preach Hosea, Hosea, you know, had to go marry a prostitute, didn't he? And Hosea was lucky. Hosea was lucky. Jeremiah was called to ministry and God said, you can't get married. Put your hands up, man. Not that you are married. How many of you could take that? <laughs> Jeremiah is a good-looking brother. 19 years of age. If God had said to me, you know, you know, marriage is a wonderful thing, ain't it? Just, just lie even if you do. Just say yes. <laughs> but there are times, being real, there are times, you know, I love my wife. She looks beautiful today. But there are times I'm like, you know, you understand? You know, Mary, you don't understand. You know? So like you don't want to see them, man. Eh? It's not every day you want to see your spouse. I'm not going to bother up your hair. I used to have a good set of hair when I was young. But I'm thankful that at least I have somebody. Jeremiah, after a hard day's ministry, he didn't even have a wife he could go home to and chat woman, leave me alone. God said, you are not to marry. You're not to have children. Now, I ain't a Catholic. But God called Jeremiah to a ministry where he couldn't even, that's why Hosea loved him. We think that God only calls and going to give us and provide for us the good things. Who said? Jeremiah was called to a ministry where he was to be rejected, where the people of his hometown tried to kill him, where God said, you are not permitted to marry Jeremiah, full grown, heterosexual. No wonder he cried. 
And we sometimes think, oh God, God, God can, he, he's got to provide a spouse for me. Say who? But if he has called you to do something like Jeremiah, we best ask the Lord, give us the strength to live. Because he'll always equip us. You see, God did not promise Jeremiah unmitigated success. Yes, God knew the plans he had for him, plans to prosper him, but it wasn't to be with a family, it wasn't to be with a successful ministry, wasn't to be with million book sales, wasn't to be with a megachurch. God had plans for Jeremiah, but they were not just the plans that we would have liked. God didn't have plans for Jeremiah to have a successful ministry. Jeremiah was not to be the Rick Warren of his time. But what God did say to Jeremiah, whilst he didn't promise him success as we deem success, what God promised Jeremiah was an access to him. That whatever Jeremiah was going through, he could be assured that God was with him. You see, Jeremiah had to remember throughout his life that when he was suffering, he was not suffering without purpose. He was suffering in the reality that God had called him. And as we have read in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10, that God was with him through it all. You see, that's the comfort we have. The comfort is not success. The comfort is the presence of God. Life may be tough for us right now, but here's the comfort. God is with us. We haven't got a job and we haven't got the money, but here's the comfort. God is with us. We've got the job and the job seems to have come from the pit of hell. Sometimes we pray for the job, and when we get the job, he said, Lord, you got me in here. Please deliver me out of it. The comfort is not that you've got the job. The comfort is God is with us. We made it to the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom is all that we thought it would be. The comfort is God is with us. Things in our lives may be turning astray. Things in our life may be just going down. The comfort is not in the things. The comfort is in the reality. As God had it with Jeremiah, that God is with us. You see, Jeremiah was destiny's child. He was a child of God's destiny. Wasn't going to have the things that he had grown and that he and his parents had aspired to. But the one thing he had is the one thing we can be assured of today. As God said, I'll be with you. Whatever it is that God has called us to, whatever it is we're going through, remember God hasn't made a mistake. Remember God will equip us. Remember it may not be unmitigated success, but this we can rely on. God is with us. The Lord is with us. Just as he was with Jeremiah. Take heart. Take comfort. When God is with us. It shall be well. May God bless us. As we seek his destiny. His purpose. 
for all of our lives. Amen.